Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Investing from A to Z podcast, named one of the best commercial real estate podcasts by Business Insider. I'm your host, Steph Bodrini. We review all aspects of commercial real estate investing and bring the top people in the industry to share their best tips and lessons learned. And in today's episode, I'm going to be covering the company that is owned by the richest real estate person in the globe. The company is called the Irvine Company, and it is a private company. I will have to give you a five-minute backstory into this, so please bear with me. I think this is incredibly fascinating and I've been fascinated by it ever since I got to this place. So let me give you a five minute background that I think is important for everyone to to understand. First, I was never into politics. My dating profile always said that I am apolitical. I really never cared about it until COVID hit. I started paying attention. At that point, I was in San Francisco for about eight to 10 years. I never dreamt I would ever leave or want to leave Silicon Valley, never. So COVID hits and I start to notice that I've been through mental abuse in that city, through physical abuse in that city, and through property abuse. Mental abuse by, of course, the COVID regulations that lasted a couple of years. I saw multiple businesses close for good because of these regulations. I saw family-owned businesses that were owned for decades by families having to close for good. I, of course, experienced watching homeless people shoot themselves up with drugs. That's a regular occurrence there, a daily occurrence. I see them using the bathroom in broad daylight. I have to watch out for needles on the street when I'm walking. Uh, In terms of physical abuse that I've experienced there, someone spat on my face one day when I was walking, Um, another person kicked my dog, and uh, abuse to my property. My wallet was stolen in broad daylight, my car got broken into multiple times, and the last time they took part of the car, (laughs) and that led me to not even want to drive or park in the city anymore. And so I started waking up during COVID to all of this. I noticed that other cities were were thriving. And lately, I have been spending a lot of time in Orange County, which is one of the few conservative counties in California. And I, I say conservative because I'm... Con- Continuing my introduction here, because it it shows here that it does make a difference on the city and how you experience things. So one of the things that I first notice here is how much lighter I felt. It was as if a weight has been lifted from my shoulders because I don't have to worry about any of these things. On the first Airbnb that I got here. I didn't have parking, 
So I parked my car on the street for four months and nothing ever happened to my car. I've probably seen less than 10 homeless people here and I've seen the police gently take them out. And uh, I'm honestly in pure bliss <laughs> in this area. The streets are beautiful, there is law and order. And I, as I am a very curious person by nature, I talk to people a lot about this. And in one of those conversations, someone told me, do you know what the biggest difference is between here and San Francisco? It's that here, the citizens are very engaged in city meetings, whereas in San Francisco, let's just say that there's just one kind of people that go to these meetings. <laughs> and they're the, the woke kind, let's, let's say it. And uh, as I go about my, my delightful conversations about this, this wonderful place, soon enough, I learn that the vast majority of real estate here is owned by this company called the Irvine Company. Then things really start to pique my interest. Wow, almost everything here is owned by the Irvine? Who are these people? <laughs> What is the Irvine company? I've never heard about these, this company before. I've never heard about the owner before. It's a privately held company. He is the richest real estate investor in the globe. And so one day I was at an event. I started telling this woman that I absolutely adore this place. And she tells me, yeah, you know, if you notice, there are no electrical cables in this, in this area. Everything is underground. And I start noticing, and really, there are no electrical cables here. And she says that she actually has been working at the Irvine company for the last 20 years. And now I get super excited. I'm like, tell me everything about the Irvine company. So she tells me that, of course, they are very organized. Uh, they really care about the quality of the products. So they use the best materials when they're developing real estate. The owner, who is a very private person, and I don't want to shine light on him because I completely understand him. I would want to be private as well. He is very peculiar. So he paints the parking lot of all of their properties in green so that he can go around on his helicopter and he knows which ones are his properties, which I started noticing there's a lot of green parking spaces everywhere I go. So he, he owns a lot. And so then I continue my, my saga, my curiosity about this company. And I think um, there must be a book about this, right? So there are two books about the Irvine company. And so I read the first book and unfortunately I was not reading with a thought of creating a podcast episode out of it. I only started thinking towards the end, oh, maybe I should create an episode out of this book. So I didn't highlight the things and I didn't take note of the things that I think would make for a perfect episode, but I'm going to share my highlights from the book. This will definitely be a two episode series. 
and I will be reading the second book with a thought of creating an episode out of this. So I'm going to talk about how it all started and then I'm going to read most of my highlights. So I will be reading parts of the book called The Irvine Wrench, A Time for People by Martin A. Brower. This book was written in 1994 and revised in 2013. So where it started was in 1864 when James Irvine and three partners bought a 1,001 acre ranch for just around $26,000. So much of that ranch is now a city called Irvine, California. So the ranch was back then focused on agriculture and it also had coastal land. And it wasn't until the 1900s that they started developing some of the real estate. And in the mid 50s, they started large scale planned community development, which is also known as master planned communities. So master plan communities are basically planning for an entire city. So that encompasses building everything from residential to commercial and industrial buildings. And the city of Irvine itself became one of the largest planned communities in the U.S. So not only has the Irvine company gone through every single downturn and survived, they have also thrived, obviously, because the owner is the largest real estate investor in the globe. So uh, they have done some things right. But the key thing is, of course, they went through many, many, many trials and tribulations, right? So I'm going to share the ones that I highlighted for my own knowledge. The first thing that they that I highlighted was that around 1960s, they were still young as far as real estate transactions. So they were still not very knowledgeable about the field. And so the Irvine company prepared lease and sale agreements, which did not require development as proposed, nor reversion of the land to the company, if not used by the lessee or the purchaser. This was when a certain company had leased or purchased and they did not use it as intended or they did not use it themselves. And so they did not have control over what was being done in that land that they had originally leased to a certain business. The next thing that I highlighted was... As they were expanding and continuously growing, one of their developments in the 60s pioneered the zero lot line concept. So they, they basically created the zero lot line in which a house is placed on its neighbor's property line, resulting in one wide side yard rather than two small and useless side yards for each home. The unique plan placed groups of homes around a series of central green parks. Homes were priced between 27,000 to 32,000 at that time. 
The next point that I highlighted was, as with all other Irvine Company village centers included architecture consistent with its community, an attractive service station with pumps away from the streets and with a supermarket and shops opening from a broad walkway rather than directly from the parking lot. So this part highlights how detail-oriented they are, they still are today, with regards to beauty and, and delightfulness, which really is what I experienced up until I knew that it was all owned by um, the Irvine company. The next thing that I highlighted was master planned to group buildings by size and use the IIC, which was what the project was called, was developed with strict covenants regulating land coverage, architectural design, landscaping and sound, odor and visual emissions. Again, encompassing all of the, the senses, so visual, smell, beauty, art, design. They always used and thought about innovative planning concepts. By now we are in the 70s. This next highlight says the company's residential division had developed strict guidelines for each village which builders had to obey if they wanted to be invited to build homes on the ranch. One of the builders in Green Tree was called the Brand Company, was felt not to be cooperating and it was determined that Brand would never again be invited to build on the Irvine Ranch. And I mentioned this highlight because Brand is the guy that currently owns the Irvine Company. <laughs> so bear with me as we get to that part of the story. So now we are in 1973. And they, as, as they're building, expanding, growing, of course, certain times during the years, there are certain things that became more fashionable. So, for example, environmentalism became a thing at some point, so they couldn't really build in the coastal areas. So that project was put on hold. Um, and so they, of course, went through a lot of things, especially as they became more well-known as being the kings of town. So this is really, really interesting. In 1973, here is my highlight. When a citizen spokesman completed an attack on one of the Irvine company's plan for a new project and the city stood with him, meaning the citizen won, the president of the Irvine company at that time, Raymond Watson, applauded. <laughs> and so, so the company's director of public relations told him, you are not supposed to applaud. And the president answers, sure I am. This is real democracy in action with each of us respecting the other's role. I think this is really cool. And I think this is a great part to end on because it goes to show that this is democracy and how beautiful it is, right? You fight your fight, they fight their fight, and 
this is what happens. And so we're going to continue in 1976. At this point, the company is still owned by Irvine family members and heirs. I think you will find really interesting the next episode, which I will cover how Bren ended up owning the company partially and eventually the entire company and how these details are really what changes your life, right? For forever. So I hope you guys found this interesting so far. Again, I'm sorry I didn't create a proper history, track record, background uh, episode because I was really not reading the book with the thought of creating an episode out of it. But at the end, I thought it was so fascinating that I just wanted to share my highlights. And lastly, San Francisco will always have a piece of my heart. I really hope and pray that that city comes back. The pendulum has swung too far and I believe it will swing back to normalcy or as close to normalcy as San Francisco ever had, which was, you know, a fun town and funky in its own right. But I really thought that it was important to highlight that part because a city that is pro-business, pro its own citizens, it will thrive. It will thrive. It's a beautiful ecosystem. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to our newsletter at monicarlorei.com. We are very straight to the point on our newsletter with the best tips from each episode. And I will see you next time.